Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living with IBD, an IBD podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss the challenges of living with inflammatory bowel disease and the place where we feature those IBD warriors who have learned valuable lessons along the way. I'm your host, Elaine. Before we get started, please remember that the information discussed on this podcast is not medical advice. Any questions regarding your health should be directed to your healthcare provider. Today's episode is focused on the importance of getting correctly diagnosed with IBD and working with your doctor to find the right disease management plan. Today's guests are two lovely people. Sherry was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2002 and lives in Indiana. Sherry, welcome to the Living with IBD podcast. Thank you so much, Elaine, for having me. And David was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2014 and lives in Florida. Hello, David. Welcome to the Living with IBD podcast. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Well, let's start off by talking about the symptoms. So what were the first symptoms of IBD that you noticed, and what did you think was going on? Sherry, let's start with you. My first symptoms were a lot of discomfort within the left side of my belly, and I had tremendous amount of diarrhea that was accompanied by blood and pus and mucus. And so I did what everybody does, is I ran to the internet. And there were just so many things that was, it could have been something very serious. It could have been something very small. So uh, those were my first symptoms. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it was, it was very similar to that. I was having bouts of lower left side pain and I had a couple of, of bouts of that. And I noticed, um, I noticed blood. I, I, I was the same. I went to the internet and, uh, you know, I, I think I was uh, seeing a lot of things it could be and some things very serious and and uh, that that was uh, that was where my mind was at. Yeah. So when did you first seek medical help for your symptoms? Uh, what was really the driver that caused you to seek the medical care? Mine was basically my husband. He um, asked me what was going on, and I kind of said uh, why. And he said uh, the toilet is flushing every two minutes, and you don't look good. He just went to the phone and called the doctor and got me in. Oh wow! What about you, David? For for me, it was definitely the the bleeding. By the by, the third time when um, I was seeing bleeding, that's when my doctor finally referred me to a GI doctor. How long did it take you to get diagnosed from the time when you first started noticing symptoms? Mine was three months, almost exactly to the minute, and I uh, so very grateful for that. So very grateful. I would have these bouts of gut pain that, I mean, just unexplained. And honestly, when that was going on at first, I, I wasn't going to the doctor because I've had some abdominal surgeries and I was just like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, you've had some surgeries, you know, things happen. Then the, then the blood aspect, the things really kind of changed it and got me to go to the doctors and, you know, sent me along the lines of, of actually getting a diagnosis. But I, I think for the first year, it wasn't really denial. It was just, it doesn't seem serious enough. You know, it, it'll go away. It always does. And just kind of keeping on, keeping on. Yes. That's the way I was, David. I, all my life, it did go away and then it would come back. And then, yep. it would, and when it came back, the last time it came back, it was with a vengeance. Right. How did you feel when your doctor or gastroenterologist finally diagnosed you with ulcerative colitis? I honestly felt, and this sounds kind of lame, but I just thought, well, I'll take medicine and I'll be just fine. He did tell me at that point that I needed to really educate myself on this disease 
So I did. I, I read a lot as much as I could. That, that's what I did. I educated myself. I just had to do that. I had to know more. And David, how did your ulcerative colitis diagnosis change things for you? So my, my diagnosis uh, wasn't quite as smooth. Um, you know, the day that I was actually uh, given my diagnosis, uh, my doctor wasn't available. So um, he had uh, he had referred me to a PA, and I, I don't think she was very familiar with my case. And I, I hastened to say she was a little new to ulcerative colitis. So when I got the diagnosis, um, you know, I was given uh, given some some treatment options, and I was given a pamphlet of information, but not a lot of information to really to really understand the disease. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was in the position that I was kind of feeling in denial a little bit. You know, honestly, that the biggest thing was is I had never had something I was diagnosed with that I didn't get a prescription that it was like, all right, in three weeks, it's going to be gone. Exactly. Like, I legitimately did not know that this was a lifelong condition based upon you know the way that my diagnosis was communicated. And David, I did not either. I, yeah. I thought I would just take my medicine and I'd be over it and get on with my life. I yep. didn't realize it was incurable. I didn't realize it was chronic. I realized none of that. Once you were diagnosed, did your doctor discuss ways to help manage your disease at that time? And, and if so, what was the conversation like with your doctor? Uh, for me, yes, he, um, he explained as much as he could you know, because I did not understand the medications. But um, he told me that we would just have to find what would work with my body and we would go along and see how it was. And then um, if I was feeling better, we would stay there. I think as I progressed, you know, in my journey with things and, and, and kind of accepting the disease and also when I transitioned to my second doctor, um, is where I learned more about the other options that were were, were available for me. And uh, my doctor always sort of took the approach of, uh, you know, we would discuss, you know, what the next option was, you know, when we really needed to consider it. And because maybe the treatment that I was using wasn't, wasn't working as well as we would have hoped, uh, we would talk about what the other options were. But I, I always came prepared for the discussion, you know, and kind of knew what was out there. Did the disease management plans include adjustments to lifestyle habits, diet, or emotional health, Sherry? Um, yes, for me, they did. Uh, that was one of the very first things that I discussed with my doctor. He felt that if I would be involved in a group exercise class, it would bring my stress level down, which it, it did for me. Now, it might not for somebody else, but it really was great for me. But to to go at it, you know, with a little bit of not as much gusto because if I wasn't feeling well, I actually uh, didn't talk a lot about nutrition back then because it's not that food causes our disease, but it can exasperate our symptoms if we are in a flare. He wasn't so much into the food and the nutrition at that point in my my disease journey, um, but definitely I did discuss physical activity with my doctor and he was very much for me going at my pace and and trying to let go of a little bit of my stress. Yeah, and I, I would I would echo the same as I, I would talk about physical activity with my doctor and the role that that would play. And, and he would remind me to be kind to my body in terms of, you know, if I wasn't feeling well, if I was going through a, a flare, if I was feeling tired and run down, um, you know, just to you know, just to not push the limits. 
um, you know, realizing that your body's going through something tough already. So, um, you know, when when I'm feeling well, I mean, he certainly was in, in support of, uh, of, of um, you know, physical activity, as, as is my current doctor. From a diet perspective, when we talked about that, um, mostly what he would say is, 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 you know, eat foods that you tolerate well, um, you know, stay, stay away from things that, you, that you've realized that you don't. Um, you know, whether times are good or bad. Um, and when I would ask him about specific diets based upon things I was researching, you know, he would always kind of say, you know, he can't recommend one diet, one way of eating over the other, because at the time there was there really wasn't any cl clinical evidence in terms of, you know, one diet working better over the other. So he, he wouldn't really, you know, he wouldn't really steer me down any, any path at, at the time when I would bring that up. Let me ask you, can you describe the journey you and your doctor took to find a plan that works for you, Sherry? At first, he he kept me pretty even with every medication he had. Sometimes he would want to add a little bit or maybe take away a little bit or maybe not as much that, that month, uh, depending on how I felt. But... Uh, he went through a lot of them with me and he was he was very good about that and and I appreciated that on the standpoint of a patient uh and just for my own knowledge I needed to know what different kinds there were out there and it it has to work for me not maybe necessarily somebody else yeah and 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 for me the first treatment that I was on I I think it was explained to me in terms of what it was and what the expectations were and then after that point, I had, I had changed doctors and, you know, to the extent that my symptoms changed, my doctor would keep me abreast of what the what the next thing was kind of when I needed to know about it. And we would discuss it at that point. But I had done a lot of research and I had looked into what what the options were and you know, tried to be educated to that. So I, I kind of I kind of knew a cadence in my um you know, my disease activity when we were probably looking at a change and, you know, tried to come to the table um, being prepared to have those uh, those discussions. And, uh, you know, we talk about it at that point in terms of what the options were. And, um, you know, I just uh, again, like the, the, the biggest thing to me is is looking at it now when I have those discussions with my doctor, because it's, it's kind of an ongoing thing as, as your symptoms change. Um, you know, in terms of discussing, okay, you know, this is this is the next option with this treatment, or this is the next option with 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 changing treatments, or whatever the case may be. The best thing is seeing that there are more options that are out there for patients. Uh, I know, I know, when I started, there were a lot less options than there are now. Well, let's talk about your routine a little bit. How did you incorporate your management plan into your routine? Um, in the beginning, I just knew when I was to take my medication, or I would sometimes set an alarm on my phone so I would not forget. Um, and now I just know when I need to have it and it's just part of my life. Yeah, and I would say the same. It's periodic, it's at the, the, it's at the same interval that I have treatment, you know, I schedule it. I can do it at a time that works well for, for work and, and kind of work around it. And uh, it's become normal because it's, it's been something that, I, that, I, that I've been doing for so long at this point. Sure. Uh, we're just wondering if you could give any examples of ways in which your life changed when you found a management plan that worked for you. I just felt extremely happy. 
I didn't have to look for bathrooms everywhere I went or carry extra clothes with me in case there was an accident. Yeah, and, and, and me, I would say where I'm at now, I don't have disruptions from the disease stopping me from being able to do stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of thing is, is, has, been, has been the biggest thing. Sure. And what advice would you both give to other IBD patients who are unsure about the different options for managing IBD? I would say that definitely discuss everything with your doctor because we all react different to medications for one thing. And to educate yourself, do your research, but just don't obsess over everything that you see. I would also try to stay very positive because I feel that that's the most important thing. You can get very down on on your life or your disease and where it's going. So for me, I have always tried to look at the positive part of it and gone from there. What about you, David? I think really honestly is just educate yourself, but have honest conversations with your doctor. I mean, my last two treatments, you know, we, we talked about it and we talked about things like side effects and, you know, things along those lines and what patients experience. And, you know, then once you started the treatment, it was just having honest conversations and observations about how things were going. Let's talk a little bit about support. Emotional and social support is important when dealing with health issues like IBD. Where did you both go for support? Did you prefer to talk with your own friends and family or did you look for groups or resources outside of your social circle? When I was first diagnosed, um, I, I did join with an organization so I could at least have somebody else I knew. I also had two friends that through an exercise class, I met that both had ulcerative colitis. So I was um, very blessed for that. I also have a couple of very dear friends and my family is excellent. It's hard to explain to many people these symptoms because it is very private, but you have to get over some of that. I think you just have to get over that fear of talking about that and let them know how you feel. They don't have an absolute clue of what you feel like or what you're going through. They just think in their heads, I think a lot of people do, that it's just a tummy ache and it is not. So you need to reach out for that support. And I I have great family support. I have great friend support and also organizational support. So I, I would echo what uh, what Sherry had said, uh, which is, you know, certainly friends and family um, you know, are, are certainly key. And, and, and I think those are the people in our lives who are probably going to have the most honest uh, discussions with um, in terms of how you feel and, and things that are going on with us. Um, I know myself, uh, I, I got involved in a, in a nonprofit organization that's geared towards IBD patients, um, and that was certainly helpful to be able to to meet other patients, help other patients, and and, and get involved uh, from from the standpoint of the cause. But also, um, you know, there's some good support groups out there, and um, you know, I got involved in some uh, some support groups and and various different means of of media that are out there. And, um, you know, it was a good place to really get information, to ask questions, have a uh, have an expanded support group and be supported by folks that uh, that are going through the same thing that you are. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you both have a really good support network. Uh, How often would you say you reach out to these uh, to these friends or people in your network who support you? 
I don't reach out as much as I did before because I don't necessarily need to. If I have issues, because IBD can sometimes bring on another issue that they're connected, then I will reach out and I will reach out to my doctor. I think like Sherry, uh, probably a little bit less uh, when things are going well with the disease. I think to some extent, uh, you know, we all like to have time that uh, that, that, that when things, things are going well, that you're, you're not necessarily thinking about it. It's not front of mind. I, I still do. Um, you know, I've got a friend of mine uh, right now that has Crohn's disease um, that uh, she's actually been in the hospital. You know, I think it's just being mindful of, of what they're going through as well and, and being there and, and, and trying to trying to support them. Well, as we wrap up here, what advice would you give to yourself early on in your journey with ulcerative colitis? Sherry, why don't you start first? I would tell myself that the most important thing is education. I would tell myself that I need to be determined. I need to ask my doctor questions. I need to tell my family what's going on, bring them into the loop so that they don't, if they don't understand, they will understand. I would tell myself, don't let the disease define you. You need to define it and stay on top of your plans with your doctor. So very important. Don't let things lag. Please don't let them lag and just enjoy everything that life has. The biggest thing for me I would tell myself would be to be a bit more accepting of the diagnosis. I know, as I said, one of the things I struggled with was this is this is really where, where I'm at. This is the, the, the thing I have and this is what I have to have to deal with here. And, you know, so I think that would have been the number one thing to me is just kind of accepting it and um, getting things moving forward a bit a bit quicker. Good to hear. Well, that's really great advice from both of you. And I'm sure people listening will find that very, very helpful. I want to thank both of you so much for talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. So thank you. Thank you, Elaine. You're very welcome. To everyone listening, I hope you'll join us for the next episode of Living with IBD, an IBD podcast. We'll talk soon.